Hello, and welcome to Bridgeford Trust Company's Delivering Direction and Control podcast series. Our podcast series is designed to educate, challenge, and inspire listeners while keeping you updated on developments regarding modern trust law and powerful planning opportunities available, all in an effort to deliver direction and control to clients and their advisors. In this episode, we sit down with guest Martin Litwack, founder and CEO of Untitled, to explore his work with international families and wealth structuring and preservation, as well as fund structuring. Martin is also CEO of Smart Structuring, a blockchain interface that allows trustees to save and manage trust in a secure, perpetual, and transparent way. And this episode discusses this intriguing solution to privacy concerns in the trust industry. Welcome to another episode of Bridgeford Trust Company's podcast series. I am David Warren, co-founder and chairman of the board, and I am thrilled uh, to be here today with Martin Litwack. Um, as most of you know who follow our podcast, which we very much appreciate, uh, we've had the very good fortune of, of interviewing some of the top uh, legal minds across the country and really around the world and top entrepreneurial uh People and today is certainly no exception um, with Martin Litwack. Uh, Martin and I met uh, three or four years ago through a mutual friend, and we had a breakfast actually. Martin and uh, I remember in in Miami, you drove in to meet with me, and we talked about various ways that we could work together. And you you truly really did inspire me with the way you approached the business from a from an entrepreneurial perspective and and, and how prolific you were with your writing, which we'll get to. Uh, and then, um, you know, Martin, we subsequently got to know each other. And, and, and the fact that you're willing to do this podcast is amazing to me because uh, I don't know if you remember, but I remember keenly we were to meet for dinner in Miami and I had the address wrong and it was raining. And I think I made you wait for me for like 45 minutes. And yet somehow we still remained friends. You were very gracious about it and you didn't leave. So for that, thank you. And, uh, and thank you for joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's really my pleasure. Always uh have to talk to you and uh, yeah, it's been a, a nice journey since we met. Absolutely. Well, very briefly, I'd like to just to share with our audience really a bit more about who you are, which is very impressive. Uh, a seasoned author, uh, senior author, have, author of two books, again, which we'll talk about in, in a bit, uh, speaking all over the world and has really built um, a, a extremely powerful company now called Untitled that works with international families all over the world on uh, asset management, uh, well, not so much asset management, but asset structuring, um, estate planning, uh, wealth planning, and, and, and finding the most efficient structures worldwide uh, for purposes of, um, of bringing really the very best to his clients. And what, what I find so sort of inspirational to me uh, as a founder of Bridgeford is, is just how prolific uh, Martin has become. Uh, he's also uh, a CEO of a, of a company that is very important and going to become, I'm sure, much more important as time goes on to the trust world, utilizing the power of blockchain technology um, with respect to uh, with respect to trust accounting, all of which we'll get into today. Um, but Martin, I'd like to begin with a quote that I, that I saw from you that, that really resonated with me. And then I thought that would be a great place for us to start for you to tell us about your history and, and how you became so passionate about what you do. But this quote struck out. It's, it's, you said um, you, like to, you and your firm like to tackle issues related to a lack of rule of law, lack of privacy, and the fiscal veracity of countries that people work and live in. 
And that really struck me as, as, as a real saga. Talk to me about that. What do you mean by that quote? And, and how did that guide you in terms of building uh, where you are today? Well, um, th- there is a huge difference when you work with uh, clients uh, in Latin America and when you work with clients in the U.S. Generally, and I'm sure you know about this more than me, uh, when you have a client in the U.S. who you know, comes to you and say, hey, I want to structure my wealth, um, you're thinking about succession planning, you're thinking about tax optimization, but you're not thinking about a government taking what is yours or a judge deciding something against the constitution of that country or somebody you know, um, stealing information and then pushing all around um, or somebody kidnapping you for information or for money. And for our clients, those are the main concerns. They're not so much concerned about uh, a family fight, maybe, or uh, a state tax. In most of the country where we work, there are no state tax. They are they are work they're they're worried about you know confiscation. They're worried about personal safety. When we discuss uh, you know privacy laws with uh, somebody in France or in Germany or in the UK, they they talk about uh, the human right to privacy. When you discuss privacy with somebody in Guatemala or Peru uh, or Mexico, you're you're talking about not being kidnapped because of the information that uh, went public. So the situation is really different. We we feel that our job is much more important than a job of a wealth planner in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are protecting our clients from bigger risks. Um, and uh, so I think that our our work has, uh, I would say, a, a legal component, a fiduciary component, and probably a, a political component. We are trying to protect our clients from big states, big governments, uh, and from criminals. Right. Yeah, I, I love the way you describe that, Martin, because, uh, you know, certainly as a, as a U.S. trained lawyer myself, um, you know, the, the issues that you talk about are not issues that uh, U.S. citizens typically have to worry about. And, you know, as you know, Bridgeford has a real passion with working with international families. And, and I have to tell you, it's, it's hard for me to understand the types of concerns that you must deal with on a day-to-day basis with these families from around the world. Who, who don't have to, as I said, here in the United States, typically we don't have those sorts of worries. And, and so how has that informed what you've seen as an evolution over the years? I mean, you've been doing this for many years. I mean, how, how have you solved those issues around privacy and safety and security? Uh, it, it, what's the evolution of that? What, what has been the evolution of your solutions, I suppose? Well, it, it's a problem because the, the world doesn't see this. So when we have a discussion with the OECD and they come up with all the CRS and you know, exchange of information, um, they clearly don't get it. They don't understand why Latin American families use offshore structures. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to be safe. And uh, I always say, you now one day somebody will get killed because of exchange of information. They will finally understand. And I'm very strong on this. I have a very strong view on this. And I discuss it with the OECD. They just don't get it. Mm-hmm. They regulate the world with an European uh, view. And the world is not Europe. Europe is Europe, and Latin America, and Africa, and Asia are not Europe. So you cannot apply the same rules. Um, and it's, it's, it, it amazes me sometimes because they do have a lot of information about corruption and about other issues. So they could have, you know, uh, came up with an idea where countries that are not corrupt get the information, but countries with high corruption and crime don't get the information. 
So mm-hmm. there were ways to deal with this in a much more cosmopolitan or holistic way. And they just didn't do it in the right way. So I, you know, in addition to, and I think this is something probably you don't know about me. So in addition to being the, the founder and CEO for both Untitled and Smart Structuring, which is the company you referred to before, mm-hmm. um, dealing with blockchain, I have set up a, a nonprofit, a foundation oh. um, in the US uh, to further promote uh, property rights, privacy rights, and tax competition. And the foundation is actually called the 1841 Foundation because 1841 was the last year where um, taxpayers uh, didn't pay income tax in any country in the world. The first country to ever establish the income tax on a, you know, um, a continuous basis. There were some uh, experiences prior to that, but uh, the oldest income tax is the one approved by the UK in 1842. Um, so, and I think that's that's when you know, and that's my legacy uh, project. So I did not know that about you. That's that's amazing. I, we need to make sure. Uh, <laughs> our, tell tell our listeners again the the name of of the, of the foundation and and do you have a website for it that you can share? Is the eighteen forty one foundation? Uh, mm-hmm. We are actually working on the on the um, website right now. We just got the approval from the IRS to be a nonprofit. Ah, congratulations! Um, we have a, a Twitter account for the moment. We are doing um, some. You know, for example, now we are we are in the middle of a lobby. Um, activity in Argentina to try to avoid the parliament to issue uh, a special tax on the wealthiest. Mm-hmm. I actually had a training session with uh, the uh, deputies in Argentina this morning. Uh, I was training uh, 30-something of them um, about you know taxation and uh, wealth tax and how taxes that, you know, taxes are, are you know, sort of four, level, four, four different types of taxes generally. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who don't know, there are taxes on, um, you know, gains, income. There are taxes on uh, wealth. There are taxes on transactions. And there are taxes on uh, consumer and the, the purchase of goods or services. And most of the, the countries that are doing well have a mix between, uh, you know, income tax and, you know, VAT, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um most of the successful countries don't have a tax on the on the wealth because if you tax the wealth, you are discouraging uh, investment, growth, employment, and development. That's why, for example, in the US, you don't have a tax on the wealth now. The only tax that's similar to that is the inheritance tax, which mm-hmm. can be very easily and legally avoided. Uh, in, in, in the Americas, there are only three countries that have this type of, of, of you know, wrong tax, um, Colombia, Uruguay, and Argentina. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Europe, there are also from 50 countries, there are also three, Italy, Spain, and Switzerland. So less than 10% of the countries in the world have this, in, this, this, uh, this tax. And in Argentina, in addition to, have, to having one of the largest, or sorry, highest taxes on wealth, they want to create this other extraordinary um, tax which may bring the, the total you know, rate, if you add up the two of them, to 7 or 8 or 9% on the wealth. So a country cannot grow with that. And we were trying to explain to the, to the 
deputies and, and, and senators that you know this is this is wrong. This is not. It doesn't matter who proposed this. This is really wrong for the country and not for the rich because the rich will live. Mm -hmm. Structure the wealth. The, the problem is not for the wealthy; it's for the rest. Mm -hmm. So that's that's my uh, my my political side. But you know, it's uh, um, always from the, from the private sector. But I want to, I, I I like to get involved and try to um, help out on these issues where I, I I have the knowledge to 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 share. Mm -hmm. Well, no, I, it's fascinating. I, I love hearing you talk about your perspective on that, and and your your passion certainly is is contagious. Um, let's go back to privacy for a moment and, and CRS. You know, it's it's CRS has been talked about, of course, in nauseam uh, since its inception. Of course, I'm talking about the common reporting standard. And every con uh, conference I've been to in the last two years, particularly STEP, has had some sort of a session on it. So my question is a little bit different because I would I would presume our our our, our listeners have an understanding of of the reporting requirements generally anyway around the world that CRS opposes. What I'd like to understand, Martin, from your perspective, is really the impact as we sit here today in September 2020 after having lived with it around the world. You know, how, how has it impacted your practice, the practical implications of how it's impacted your planning uh, advice to your families? Um, what, what do you think now? Well, um, I, I, I've seen this coming, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the reasons why I came to the U.S. in the first place. Um, you know, I... Uh, my view, you know, seven, eight years ago was that the U.S. was not only going to get most of the, you know, foreign investment in the world, but also the fiduciary structures. Mm. And that's why I came here, to be honest. Um, you know, at that time, we were working a lot with, with New Zealand Trust, which still is a good, it's a good tool, or BDI Trust or Cayman or UK. But when you have a client who wants to uh, sort out um, you know the the the, the state um, planning and uh, and get some tax optimization, but at the same time protecting the, the privacy of the family, uh, you have to come to the U.S. There is no other option. So that that you know that, I think that will continue to be the case. Um, you know even if if uh, you know FATCA, you know I will say CRS is FATCA with asteroids. Uh, and uh, and in the case of Latin America, you have only four countries that have uh, have agreement with the U.S. for the implementation of FATCA: Mexico, Brazil, Colombia, and Chile. Mm -hmm. All the rest don't have an agreement with the U.S. Uh, which means that you know if you are a you know a small investor, maybe you have a BVI company with a U.S. account and you are fine with, with with CRS. If you are a bigger investor, a bigger family, you can use the South Dakota Trust. I think that's the best solution. That's what we do, as mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's that's the way to protect our clients. I mean, we do use uh, you know CRS jurisdictions for some clients, um, but when it comes to uh, to protecting privacy, there is no way around. I mean, we we cannot have a family structuring the, the wealth in a place where you know once a year they will get reported for money, which actually is not theirs because if they have it an irrevocable trust, they're not the owners. And uh, right. so for example, now going back to the to the to this. Um, extraordinary um, wealth tax in Argentina. They are, they are putting there a provision that says that, you know, the, the tax is calculated on 31st December 2019. And if you have set up a trust, even if it's an irrevocable trust, you need to add that money to the basis for the tax. So they are charging a tax on something which is not yours and they know it. Yeah. So you have to protect yourself. I mean, I think that with, with the pandemic, the tax voracity of the states, uh, different governments will grow. The next three to five years will be difficult. 
And I think the world will be divided into countries that have already increased the taxes and countries that will increase the taxes in the future. So mm-hmm. the, the next three to five years will be really complicated. That's one of the reasons why I um, move ahead with the, with the foundation, which was a plan for actually 2021, not for this year. I had a lot of things on my plate, mm-hmm. but I felt the need to do this because I think the world will become much more complicated. And you know the, the elections here will surely have an impact on that too. So, you know, I'm very, you know, um, I'm very concerned about the, the US elections. Um, and not because I'm a, a, a fan of one or the other, uh, but you cannot ignore that uh, the result will uh, guide the, the fiscal and the tax policy for the next, you know, four years. Well, and I think even the, the political climate, I mean, you know, it's, I agree with you, regardless of, of who or what you like in politics, United States, there's no question as a result of COVID and, and a myriad of other social issues right now, there's more divisiveness in the United States, perhaps more than ever. I mean, I, I don't certainly I'm not old enough to understand the climate of the United States during the 1960s, but I agree with you. I think the complexity that um, is, is going to be surrounding the United States around its politics and its taxation and, and changes uh, involving even maybe basic, basic constitutional rights are, are, are real. And we're concerned about it just from a divisiveness perspective. I mean, I don't know, Martin, as you travel the world and your perspective of the United States, which crazy enough is now referred to as a tax haven and a privacy haven. And every time I say that, I guess it sounds like I'm being controversial, but sounds like you saw that coming. I Many years ago, I think, I think the U.S. has, uh, has always been a tax haven, but now it's the largest tax haven in the world. And I'm saying this as a positive thing. Right. Yeah. So I tell you a funny story. I I was doing a presentation and I I opened it up by saying that this, you know, the New York Times calls the United States a tax haven and a private haven. And I may have told you that. And I alarmed so so many of my comrades, I should say, or colleagues in South Dakota. I thought I was being too salacious. And I said, hey, I didn't say that. The the New York Times says that. And and the Wall Street Journal says that. And for any of us to ignore that is foolish and, and, and to not be prepared to handle what clearly is is a, a tidal wave of, of families coming to well, the United States. In, 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 in my second book, the one that was published a couple of months ago, I talk about you know uh, tax havens, and I would say you know, I don't know the, the transition to English is, is complicated because in Spanish it's a really funny uh, word game. But um, so the name of the of the book is is essentially tax havens and tax. Else, essentially, right. and and I, I like the hat. By the way, the hat on the cover is very funny to me. I, yeah, I, well, I, yeah. I, I wish we had a video, but for our for our uh, listeners, yeah. Martin, could you tell? Could you tell? But it, it's a hat. I will. I will give it a, a, a description, and you can tell. Everybody. No, it's no, it's 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 it's, it's, it's a clear, you know, uh, Donald Trump uh, hat. But the legend doesn't say "Make America Great Again." It says "Make Taxation Theft Again." <laughs> I love it. And that on a, on, a, on a white cover, it's really very interesting when you see it on a, on a book. Well, and you've spoken to me about this book as it, as it being more political than your first book. Um, t- talk to me about what you mean by that. Well, it's essentially what I, what I talked about before, earlier, you know, of, of me trying to, um, to, you know, set out certain um, uh, ideas that, you know, the first book was all about, you know, um, wealth structuring. So we discussed structures. We, I was, I, I told people what rich people in Latin America would be doing, 
which other risks they perceived, how they deal with those things. Um, of course, I, I referred to Panama Papers and the OECD, and I, I had a few ideas on, on that. The second one is a, a book that focuses not on the wealth structuring, but uh, more on the taxation side. Right. And taxation is, is, um, is a political and controversial issue. I mean, uh, there is a tax because there is a law. There is no taxation. Taxes are not things that, that uh, grow naturally in the, in the, in the bushes, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's so, so being that- You don't mean George Bush, right? <laughs> yeah. being, being that so, uh, at the end of the day, um, uh, the book tells um, the, the origin of a lot of, uh, of taxes. It criticizes a lot of the taxes and it, 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 it includes a, a very powerful ideas on how a country should you know, uh, regulate um, these issues. Mm -hmm. So I talk about um, tax veracity. I talk about, I tell very clearly that the problems are not the tax havens, but the tax hells. I define tax havens. I define tax hells. Oh, I love that thesis, Martin, by the way. I love the way you, because I, you know, I've read a lot of reviews. It's in Spanish and I don't read Spanish, but I, I uh, yeah, I love that that juxtaposition. So say it again. It's, it's, it's not about being a tax haven. It's about being a tax hell. That, that's a tremendous quote. I like that's, that. that's, that's the problem. I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. again, the problem is not, I always say the problem is not the, 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 the low tax jurisdiction is the, is the, is the country with very low rule of law. Um, you know, that, that's the problem. I mean, you want to, I would say to, to governments in the region, you want to fight um, tax havens. Great. It's very easy. It's a two-step two solution. I can guarantee that you will defeat all tax havens. First one, provide rule of law. Second one, reduce your taxes. And that's it. Very simple. <laughs> very simple. You don't need the OECD, you don't need the G20, you don't need the European Union, you don't need uh, right. uh, Kamala. You know, it's very easy. Well, you know, it, well, if everybody does that, then, then there'll be no need for South Dakota trust, right? So I guess we don't want that to happen too quick. Well, I'm at, the end of the day, at the end of the day, you will be doing the work you do for the U.S. people for everybody else. Right. So people will come to you and say, hey, you know what? I don't like my brother-in-law. I, I don't like my, you know, <laughs> one of my children spends a lot of money. So let's, let's, let's create a trust. But not because I'm going to be kidnapped by the guerrilla in Colombia. Right, right. No, that's a good point. I want to go back to your first book just because it really struck me. And I, I think it was right around the time you and I became friends uh, that it was because it came out in 2018. So I think we met maybe right around that time or when it was coming out and why it was so popular. I mean, I think you yourself were, were kind of surprised, right, by, by how I much. Was, I was surprised by that. I actually was surprised by the second book as well. I, I must be an idiot. I don't know. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the second book sold out in Argentina in a week. No kidding. Yeah, wow. I mean, it was it was the second um, the second in the list of the hundred uh, most sold books during that week. We we were second for a week, and then the book disappeared. So we are now reprinting for the for the second time in ten days. Um, That's amazing. But I, but I think that the the, the thing is, I, I decided to write the first book because I didn't find anything like that. And I think there was a need for that to be written. It was, I was there and the book needed to be written and I, and I did it. That's yes. about it. So it's a very simple book that explains a very simple language, why you need to structure wealth, which are the risks that apply or that, that put your, your wealth at, um, at your party. 
uh, we talk about family issues, we talk about, you know, taxation, we talk about, you know, devaluation, about uh, privacy. And, and it was a very uh, easy to read book. I mean, you could take it, you, you probably read in two or three hours and that's it. Yeah, and, and there weren't there, there were no books like like that. I mean, people, I mean, lawyers tend to be complicated uh, mm -hmm. in the way they they write, in the way they talk, even in the way they think. And I think that when you do understand something, you could explain it for a five-year-old child. And that's my, my both of my books have that approach. Uh, I don't need to to look fancy. I, right. I need to be and and, and actually, I, I have you know, my book was read by by you know soccer players by boxers, uh, by people not on TV, and they all understood it uh, yeah. because it's, it's, you know, again, it's easy to, to read, it's easy to digest. Um, and even though the second one is more controversial, it still makes sense. I mean, I, I couldn't find anybody who would say, listen, I read it and I think this is crap. I'm against it. <laughs> so, you know, I, I'm, I'm happy with it. I mean, the, the, the second book is going to be, actually, both of, book, both of my books were going to be, I would be published in Spain. Uh, before year end, and then Colombia, Chile, and Mexico. Um, I, I developed uh, a postgraduate uh, course for a university in Argentina uh, that covered both of the of the of the topics, you know, the, the international planning and the international taxation, and it's going to be uh, available next year in March. So it's uh, it, it, the books gave me a lot of a lot of joy and a lot of really good results. I didn't. I didn't write them for a business um, for a business reason, and I found out that at the end of the day was where my my, my best brochures, yeah. and you will see that too when you have yours. I mean, people, you know, you don't need to hand hand out your one pager or your website if you are a, a published author in the with with books that have been you know sold out in the topics that you um, you deal with on a day to day basis. That that's the thing. I mean, I, I I'm not. I'm not writing about things that I studied or that I heard. I'm, I'm writing about things I do 24-7. So it's, it's easy. Well, and I think what makes what you have done so compelling, though, is that you found a voice to use that, that touches everybody, that people can understand it and it resonates with people. And that's that's very much what, what we're trying to do in, in, with ours is, you know, something that somebody could pick up and say, well, that makes sense. You know, that makes it. That's what that's what modern trust law is. In the United States. OK, I get that. That's, and I think that's exactly what you've achieved. And and again, you gave me the, the, the impetus. So, you know, when I come to you, when I come to you to write me a, uh, a, a review, uh, don't charge me too much. OK. I'm one thing that is it's it's always funny to me is to, to open up the eyes of the people because yeah. what happened is what, what I'm saying to people is listen, um, do you see this war between you know high tax jurisdiction and, and low tax jurisdiction? And people say, Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, of course. You know, tax havens are all crooks. I say, well, listen, don't, don't, you know, let me explain to you how this works and, and why we have this war. Mm -hmm. And when people understand that they have been cheering for the wrong team, <laughs> that feeling is just amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah. And I came up with a lot of, you know, very easy to understand comparisons and stuff like that. And one of the ones that I love the most and make, you know, people, you know, blow their minds when I, when I compare, you know, low tax jurisdictions with um, low cost airlines. Um, and 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 it's very easy because when you when you are you know on a stage and you have like a thousand people listening to you and say listen I'm going to put a phrase on the wall and I want you to tell me if you are for 
or against? Actually, no. Tell me if you're against. Okay. So, and the phrase goes something like, you know, um, low low cost airlines are uh, they they limit the amount of money traditional airlines can charge for tickets, and that makes uh, and that's an advantage for all travelers. What do you think? And some people say, well, but the, the, the service, and, and I said, listen, I'm talking about the price. The phrase has to do with the price. Do you agree or do you disagree? And nobody disagrees because that's a fact. Yeah. I don't disagree with the fact. Right. And then when I say, listen, let's do an exercise. Let's change some words in the phrase. Let's, let's say instead of low-cost uh, airlines, let's say uh, offshore centers. Instead of prices, you say taxes. Instead of traditional airlines, let's say high tax jurisdictions. And in terms of travelers, let's say taxpayers. And you read the phrase again, and the phrase goes, uh, you know, offshore jurisdictions put a limit to the taxes high tax jurisdiction may charge, and that's for the benefit of all taxpayers. Now, if you agree with the first one, you cannot disagree with the second one. It's the same logic. And there are two things that are really powerful here in the phrase, which people don't tend to see. First one is I say that is in the first case, I talk about travelers. I don't talk about users of planes because the low the, the low um, the low cost airlines have also reduced the prices of other means of communication, not only planes. And the other thing which is very powerful is the, the part of the phrase that, that says all travelers. And when I say to people is, listen, I, 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 I fly American Airlines because I'm in Miami and because they have the best um, uh, millage program ever, even though there are, I will not change that for a low cost uh, airline, but I still pay less than, than three or four years ago because of the competition. Now, I may not use an offshore center because I don't like it, because I don't need it, because I don't have the money to use it. But the fact that the offshore center exists still makes my taxes lower. So even if I am a, a, a taxi driver or a teacher or you know whatever, you, know, you, you name it, I'm better off with offshore centers than without offshore centers. So stop rooting for the bad guys. The bad guys are not the offshore centers. The bad guys are the high tax jurisdictions and the OECD and the C20, whatever the story is. I love it. No, it's a great way to tell that story. That's, that's, I completely agree with you. Um, very quickly for our listeners, I just want to make sure they know the names of your two books. Um, because it's important to me, they know how to find them. Um, well, in addition to your to your books, you've also written a lot of articles that have been picked up a lot through social media. And I know you yourself is, have been an early believer in social media, as as has Bridgeford. Um, and we believe in the power of, of that and digital media. And of course, our podcast is, a, is an example of that. But you would share with me earlier that you have over 46,000 followers on Twitter. That's amazing. That, you know, that's the proof of yeah. Uh, the fact that their, their taxes are just very high. You know, I mean, I always say, I mean, you cannot have a, a trust and tax lawyer being a bestseller or having 50,000 followers. There's something wrong there. You know, <laughs> there's something really wrong. I mean, that, that cannot be the case. And the only reason that's the case is because, you know, the, the, the tax veracity is just huge. Right. 
<laughs> hey, listen, the, the, I, there's nothing more exciting, I think, than a tax international tax lawyer, right? I mean, you know, the, those are always the people who wanted everyone to talk to at the parties in high school, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> for your names of your books for our artists, um, how, well, this is the, the, the English version, but it's how wealthiest people protect their assets and why should, they should do the same. Uh, 2018, they came out, and uh, and that was again to to great great response, and even better response is the second book that came out in 2020, Tax Havens and Tax Hells: An Alternative Look at Offshore Jurisdictions and Tax Competition. And you know, we're very humbled to have a lot of people from around the world listen to this. I will certainly encourage you to look at both books, especially the cover of his most recent book. Uh, and and I know, um, right, Martin, they're they're both available um, on Amazon for yeah. sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, there are other. Uh, bookstores in different places, but yeah, Amazon is the easiest way to get it. Excellent. Martin, if it's okay, I like this, I like to transition and, and sort of pivot the conversation to something else that I'm particularly passionate about and, and interested in on multiple levels is is the the problem you solved, I would say, with your your company called Smart Structuring. Uh, you talk a little, you talked a little bit about the the sanctity of privacy and and, and the supreme importance of protecting information and i think it sounds to me out of that grew the concept of figuring how to use the blockchain in the trust accounting space so please talk to us about that i, I think this is very intriguing well you know essentially i was i was working on a on a big you know trustee fraud litigation case and uh and i find out that you know i realized that you know we as trustees i mean happened to you we we sell trust mm -hmm. and um but at one point um for people um you know they need something more than trust i mean they want to trust us but if we can offer them uh something else uh they will have a, a greater peace of mind um in addition to that you know we lawyers are very sloppy in terms of you know paperwork and the the, the technology and stuff like that we still a lot of the trustees use you know word excel Dropbox, you know, uh, even the big ones. I mean, the big ones may have a, a, mm -hmm. a, a different way to protect their, 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 their paper, uh, but they still have papers. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and also, a lot of trustees are not that efficient because you, you get your instruction from a, a client, then you instruct your assistant, your assistant called the bank, the bank. So there's four or five people involved in a, a simple web transfer. And, uh, and I was, you know, talking to a couple of friends and I realized that um, with blockchain, actually, all of that can be solved. Uh, so it was not trying to find a way to use a sexy, sexy technology just because it is sexy. Um, it was just, a, uh, um, I just find out that, you know, this was the right solution for most of the problems we face in the industry. You know, timestamp, uh, privacy, protection of documents, uh, document management uh, and of course trust and uh, and then I uh, you know I uh, started to um, to see how we can uh, uh, do this or bring this to the next level and I partnered up with one of my dearest friends and uh, a guy who knows a lot about IT and financial services and we first um, you know come up with this blockchain solution which is called smart trust mm -hmm. and we've been using this internally uh, for uh, um, a year now or nine so months Wow. Yeah, actually, I have to say that you have some of your trust in the blockchain now. You don't know, but you have them. <laughs> they do. I'm honored. <laughs> uh, so, so we are now going to the market. Uh, this was a clear example of a buy us for us product. This product was developed to um, 
sorted out a, a, an internal need. But when I talked to trustees and you were one of the first ones we reached out, mm -hmm. everybody was interested and there are no negatives to this. So now we are actually, we just started the capital round. We are raising some money to create a sales team and create a help desk to convert this uh, internal software into uh, an independent company and independent uh, project. So we are raising the capital. We have a couple of uh, trial partners. So there's, there's other people using the platform. We have, I think, more than 100 trusts now on the platform, some of them US, some of them New Zealand, some of them BVI. And the, and the product works really great, and uh, it, it makes uh, it makes the whole thing safest from a client perspective and more efficient from a trustee perspective. So it's really a win-win product. Um, it's not expensive, uh, and you know I think we I think it's going to be very successful, and I think it's going to change uh, the way we approach um, our you know daily our daily uh, work. I mean we we've been discussing this with uh, with big companies like you know Bistra. And, um, and other smaller ones like you know with the bottom in Bahamas or other ones and you know and they all love it. It's just a matter of uh, being able to to start using it. Well, conceptually, it's it's brilliant, I think, and I, I like the the idea of the the heightened and, and enhanced, I suppose, security around the data. And I we have discussed it with our banking division um, because South Dakota banking division is very good, very proactive, and and they loved it in theory. Um, they 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 would they would they wanted Bridgeford to wait until you know it was it was sort of further developed before we jumped into it. But you know we we love big ideas like that, so we're watching carefully, and and certainly we want to be part of that um, more directly for sure. But I think it's brilliant, and and for those listening, um, in uh, again, Martin, uh, if you could. Tell us the name of the company, and, and, do, you, and do you have a web a, webs, a website for yeah, that? Yeah, the, the the company is called uh, Smart Structuring. Mm -hmm. um, the the website is uh, I think Smart is well, www.smartstructuring.io, um, and yeah, the product is there. You can you can ask for a demo if you want. I mean, it's uh, it's, it's very much uh, you know being used. The the problem is all the problem. The, the the challenge now is to you know get funded to to bring it to the next step. I mean, we really need, I mean, in, when I use it internally, I can wait for the you know developers to respond a question that I, that I have. But if I sell it to you and you're paying for it, you, know, you won't be able to, to you wait you know, for eight hours or 72 hours for a response. So we need to build up a strong head desk. Sure. And we need to build up a strong um, 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 sales team. And the good thing is that I had to re to really go in depth on the on the trust uh, marketplace, and it was very interesting because it helped out my business too. I mean, That's they know you know who I know the, the market is very interesting. You have like four four or five sort of five companies with twenty percent marketplace. The other marketplace is divided among like ten thousand trustees. Uh, it's really very interesting how it works, and um, and you know it it it. Um, it helped me uh, positioning my my own firm as a, as a secondary effect to it. Sure. No, I think it's I think it's brilliant. I, I think it's a, gr a great idea. You know, as we wind down, I, I I'm really interested, Martin. You mentioned we talked a little bit about COVID earlier, and you know, obviously, there's no question of the impact it's had on on the world, and, and of course, and. The upcoming presidential elections creates a whole other level of certainty. But but just focusing on COVID for a minute, talk to me about where you see this going, its impact on, I suppose, our industry, and maybe planning, maybe planning generally. 
because uh, I, I think you would have great perspective on that. I, I think I think that you know once again I think I I, I saw this right. You know when when in March I I brought my team together and I told them, listen guys, um, we are going to have a couple of months very tough because people are focusing on their households first, mm -hmm. their company second, their money third and only the structures on the fourth place. So people don't want to talk to us. People don't care about us. And we have a, we have a two or three really tough month. So I, after that, I think things will be better for us because people have been exposed to death, uh, to higher risks. And that means that there will be more people planning uh, mm -hmm. for the succession. So, I've already seen that for sure. Let's, let's 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 stick together. Nobody is going to be fired. Uh, I offered private uh, health to everybody in the firm, mm -hmm. um, and let's say we'll 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 we'll, we'll go through this together. And uh, March was a bad month for us. April was terrible. We've been you know fifty four percent down, mm -hmm. uh, but May, June, July were really busy. Uh, I think now we are actually doing better than last year, year to year compared. Mm, so right. I think in a few years time, you will notice that 2020 was the COVID year uh, for, for me, for us, for our company. We got two offers uh, to be acquired by, by the company, which I don't want to, you know, I didn't want to even it's always a compliment though. It's always a compliment. No, it's, it's, it's good to hear, exactly. It's good to hear, but I'm not, uh, I'm not interested. But the point is we are, we are really healthy. And, um, and I think our business will grow. And the good thing is that one of the really limitations for us in our business, and maybe this doesn't affect you in particular, but in our business, one of the biggest problems was that clients wanted to see you personally, face-to-face. Yeah. Uh, -face. And, uh, and now even old people in a province of whichever Latin American country you want to name, they are using Zoom or go to meeting or Hangouts or Teams or Discord or whatever you want. Mm -hmm. So I think that, you know, the only change I see is that we will probably travel less. Uh, travel is going to be bothersome. Uh, you know, it's going to be, you know, uh, tests and certificates and fever and this. So, you know, one thing is to take out your shoes. The other thing is to be uh, on a medical examination every time you, you go in a plane. So I think I will probably do less trip, maybe for a longer period of time. Uh, but we will use more of the digital tools, which brings us back to smart structuring. You know, right. with smart structuring, I can sign a, a trust, you know, online. Uh, it, it's really very interesting. So I think um, we, I think we'll be better off um, uh, now that uh, in comparison with last year. I mean, you know, um, all things considered, of course, people died. Uh, people were forced to stay uh, in. There were a lot of uh, stress, a lot of problems, um, but I think that things are things are almost back to normal for us. Yeah, I, I would say the same for Bridgeford. I mean, we were we remained remarkably strong. We're going to end the year. This may be the our best year ever for the reasons you already mentioned. I <clears> think <throat> people started thinking about planning around the world and. Um, we're moving forward with our plans in Miami. We opened an office, as you know, and right before COVID hit, and then we didn't fund, um, staff it because of COVID. I was just back there getting things uh, 
back on track because I agree with you. I think it's I think it's kind of time to get back to business, too. I'm not saying business as usual or business as it was before COVID, but there's certainly a, a, a thirst and a need. Um, you know, I, I can tell you just by given the amount of inquiries we're getting by wealthy families from around the world. And so, no, I, I completely agree with you. And and as certainly my heart goes out to friends of mine and friends of ours that have, have been impacted because there's no question this has been real. Um, and, and, and not only the, the, re- the reality for people who've been infected, but really the, the mental stress that the world has been under, too. I, I think that um, it's heartbreaking to see, you know, my, my daughter who goes back to school for the first, goes to you know, college for the first time, gets locked down after two weeks at Temple in Philadelphia, and she can't process that as an 18-year-old. You know, it's different. No, 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 no. I, I know, I know. For the kids, it's true. I mean, I was, I was talking to my, my kids that, that they say, hey, let's go to Disney for a weekend or whatever. They have 16 and 14 and say, well, you know, we don't really need this. We don't want to be, you know, among people. We don't want to do anything that, that imposes a risk on us. So I think right. uh, and for them, I mean, for us, six months is six months. For them, six months is, you know, it's a decent amount of time of their lives. Right. Their whole life, yeah. So, right. um, yeah, it will take time to recover from, uh, I think it's more um mentally than, than physically and, and, and all these restrictions to, to freedom and good. Um, but again, I think business-wise, um, I think we are in one of the very few industries that was um, uh, not negatively affected. Um, you know, in some cases, yeah, I, I, I agree. Well, Martin, you've been so gracious with your time, not only today, but but with Bridgeford over the years. Um, it's it's absolute pleasure to, to work with you uh, and your team. Um, I, your your friendship really means more to me and Bridgeford, I think, than you realize. And um, I do pay close attention to what you're writing and what you're saying. And, and we're really well aligned in terms of the way we look at the world. And I look forward to doing some great things together as we continue, especially as we as we build out Miami. Um, again, for our listeners, this is, has been Martin Litwack. And, and if you are anything like me, you've been wildly impressed by his perspective and the way he, he looks at the world. Um, I highly encourage you to, to look at his two books, to buy them and, and study them because they really are a common sense uh, conversation about some of the hottest topics right now in the whole in the whole world. Uh, his Twitter account is already pretty popular. I, I was excited because I had eight people following me. Uh, he told me that was better than seven, but when but then I realized his... 460, 406, four, sorry, four, 46,000 uh, subscribers is, makes him a little bit more impressive. I, mean, I just can't, when I get to 10, Martin, I'm going to send you an email and I'm going to tell you how proud I am of myself. Uh, but all joking aside, Martin, it's been an absolute pleasure to know you, to have gotten to know you and to have you here today. Is there anything uh, you'd like to add before we uh, let you let you know? I, I really, you know, again, it's a pleasure for me to speak with you. It was always a pleasure to you know, have lunch or dinner, whatever the story is. I look forward to continue you know growing this friendship and this relationship and you know you can count on me and hear anything you need and it's been a pleasure you know i promise to uh, next time uh maybe show up on time we'll see how <laughs> that, that, that will be an improvement yeah i'll work on that martin thank you again it's been a pleasure pleasure thank you very much thanks again for listening to bridgeford trust company's delivering direction and control podcast series Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to keep posted on when new episodes are added. And for more information, visit us online at bridgefordtrust.com.